Welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is Tyler Yonke. We've got Chris Flower with us. We're live out there to everybody. We're going to talk about the Tour of Turkey. Well, we're just going to talk a little bit about Cavendish, some Amstel Gold, some La Flèche Wallonne. Talk about Froome and a false positive that takes out the team UAE. It's, uh, what is it today? The 23rd of April. Happy Friday, everyone. Episode 234. Chris, how you doing? Life treating you okay? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I did a long ride yesterday. Uh, no, let me that. rephrase that. We did a lot of climbing yesterday. Um, I didn't do a long ride. That was Jonathan Baker. He did a long ride. Did you see that? But with a lot of climbing, that means you get to do a lot of descending too, and that's always fun. Yeah, so those that aren't too familiar, if you are from this area, there's this ride out here out in Forest Hill, and it's Mosquito Ridge, and it's, it's literally 10 miles down to this um, bottom of the river, and then you just go... 10 miles, well, you could go further than 10, but we went 10 miles up and it's all climbing. And then you just turn around 10 miles down and 10 miles up 40 some miles of, you know, hour climbing both ways. Well, yeah, that's about what <laughs> hour, hour one way, 40 some the other. It was fun. Now I heard the, um, you know, you can make a loop out of that, but a couple right. of years ago, part of the loop got washed out. Do you know if that road's open or is it still just an out and back available? So last year, uh, what's his name? John Novikov and I, we went out there and we actually, he coerced me into crossing this washout and then you're going up the road, it's like Oxbow and it was, there was down trees like every 20 feet or so and so it was just too much. I've heard that it's opened up now, so hey, maybe maybe that's, you know, something, go try that next out. Next week, that's what you guys should try next week, do uh, the loop. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. UAE, they, they want to do flesh alone. They get uh, canceled out of that. There was a false positive, I guess. But first it was noted that it was a positive COVID test. Now they're showing that they had false positives. So the team doesn't get to do that. Have you heard if they are able to do um, what's come up? Liege. Liege? Yeah. I, I haven't heard, but I did see that um, Pogacar did like a, a 200 kilometer recon ride. Yeah. And, and if he's doing that, my assumption is that, yeah, he's probably going to do it. But I assume that's all contingent upon them not having another false positive. I, I don't know when they do the testing relative to the race. So, well, so we can look at some of these uh, news articles here. So, yeah, they, the team did, they did a withdrawal. And you, Diego Luisi, who had not, you know, their whole team had been vaccinated, he wasn't because uh, he has a heart issue, I guess. Um, but he had a positive and then they retested a bunch right after and they're like, no, we, we got negative negatives. So they were like, this kind of sucks. But I guess the way that the protocol goes with them, they were still not allowed to enter the, the race. Um, so, yeah, they, they got pushed out of that. And then um, this is what we saw yesterday was the 200 kilometers re reconnaissance ride, which on, on um, all over the news, they were they were making like kind of a big deal about it, about 200 uh, kilometers, which, you know, really isn't that much for what these guys do in general right i mean yeah i, I would i mean how much how long was um flesh alone probably that if not more and it was probably a lot harder than a recon ride right uh, yeah so i'm not sure why it was like such a news story and and let me just pull this up here our uh, our buddy jonathan baker yesterday or tuesday he did a 200 mile ride up <laughs> nevada city chico does a group ride up there the slow 50 or whatever those guys call it and then uh, comes on back home. And I just put it up on the screen if anybody wanted to check that out. That's 200 miles. That's, it's why, I mean, what's what's the big deal about 200 kilometers? Why is this getting a big that's news true. story? Have you looked around in any local news to see if that's popped up? Uh, that might be a no. big headline in the Chico Tribune. 
Chico. Well, I think Kurt, you know, Kurt goes up there and does that, but he drives. And I think the the carpooling, you know, he lives in Nevada, uh, up in that same area. I don't want to uh, dox him here, but um, slow 50. Uh, but the the carpooling uh, reality for Jonathan Baker must have been too much to carpool with Kurt. So he just said, I'm going to F it. I'm going to do 200 mile bike ride. That's much more, much less painful. I mean, if, if it really gets down to it and winter conditions are tight or something like that, Kurt's got that big van and he could just have a trainer set up in the back for Jonathan and, and he could still drive him there and Jonathan could get miles in. So right. there's workarounds. So the ride I did yesterday, um, there's this one section, it's a you know 10 mile climb or more, but it keeps going on. But we that's where we stopped. Uh, Talansky owns the, uh, the KOM there. And mm-hmm. I think third is, and then it's, it's Talansky, um, Tori Phillips, I think, and then Jonathan Baker, and he just put it up. Dude's like in his 40s, riding the best ever. It's crazy. That's impressive. Was this um, road cycling Talansky, or is this triathlon Talansky? No, this is back in the day when he used to have a different name when he would he would go out there and train out there. I think Jesse Moore okay. would have him come out there and actually do that. So that was when he was in the midst of you know Tour de France and everything else. So uh, Jonathan Baker, you might have your chance. I don't know. Someone, uh, Notorious PDT, not sure who that is, says, poor Kurt, be nice. Um, this is being nice to Kurt. I think that is Kurt. (laughs) You know what? It might be. Okay. Uh, what do you do? It's okay. We'll, we'll get back to Amstel Gold, Flesh Wallone, all these here. But I took, uh, Cavendish comes out, goes to and does the tour of Turkey, presidential tour of Turkey in Turkey and, um, ends up winning four stages. What is your take on that? I was not necessarily critical. I wasn't like uh, gushing over it because, uh, the, the competition, it was basically he, um, Greipel and Jakob, no, uh, Philipson. And that was yeah. kind of the sprinting and you know, what has Greipel done? Nothing. Philipson now beat him at, uh, Skeldapris, So that was actually impressive. Beat Bennett. Uh, but when you only have those teams and your team is out there leading you out although i didn't see great lead outs for him anyway i was i was like eh but yeah you win four races so you know who's the who's the asshole here me but what do you think of those um results uh i thought it was impressive i mean it's not easy to win those races right so um he definitely seemed a lot more confident i think he was like headbutting and and forcing his way through like the the cavendish of old so maybe he's got a little extra Uh, Maybe this is just enough to kind of light that fire and and make him feel competitive again. Uh, You know, it's, it's good racing. Philipson's no slouch and he won a couple stages. And um, I think, you know, rally won a stage as well, which, which may speak to the level of competition, but you got to beat who's there. And and he did that four times. So no, I, I, yeah, no, no. Once again, it's, it's kind of interesting to see him making this uh, emergence back here. I had, when I had Rob Dalto on the show, I had talked about how I expected uh, Froome to win a stage before Cavendish or, you know, a race. Yeah. guess mm. he's down four. <laughs> yeah. And we'll talk about him coming. Uh, so look, the Tour of Turkey, like I also said, uh, when a Team Delco rider wins the GC, yeah, like you said, yeah. Rally won. And although that, that um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He was, he was, had some in, impressive sprints there anyway did you see any of that but then they got um i think they got kicked out of the race right because of a covid right i think so yeah have you heard anything follow up on that no i have not excellent okay so tour of turkey uh it was jose diaz manuel uh, manuel diaz uh that won that jay vine was in second place for alpacin phoenix so do you know much about him he's a aussie i do not okay 
We need to look a little bit more, but I think he had done, I think he was doing well in the, you know, little mishmash of the uh, tour down under. And Mm -hmm. he did, I think he got a contract for Alpeson based on like some Strava, not Strava, um, Zwift contract connection thing. Okay. The the Zwift Race Academy, is that what it was? Something like that. Or was it because he did like just really well on Zwift? I don't know. (laughs) Right, right. Um, speaking of which, uh, I did a group ride this week and Josh Carling, a local up here came out and did it. And he's been doing a lot of, uh, Zwifting and he's finally breaking out and getting out into the outside world. So it was good to see that. But, uh, it's, uh, Zwifting whole, um, sphere, you know, really took off last year. Do you think there's going to be a continuance of that and, and Zwift in the Olympics as notorious PDT who just outed himself to me? Um, so I know who that is now. It's not Kurt. Zwift in the Olympics. Is that going to be a thing, Kurt? Chris? Is the Olympics going to be a thing? I, I don't know. We got to figure that out first, right? <laughs> is Zwift uh, in the Olympics going to be a thing? Yeah, I uh, I think it's going to be here to stay. I think there's enough people that like it. I, how did uh, Josh's uh, Zwift skills transfer over to to the road? He's fine. He got up in a little break. He got in a move that was pretty. Um, I couldn't go with it. Uh, our, our friend Matt Tufts. <clears throat> Hint. Um, he he went up the road. He made it up there, and then you know they killed it. And um, those guys went and did the river ride uh, this last week. So uh, I think Josh did he use fine. like power boosts or anything like that in, in the middle <laughs> My, of the ride. He did have an interesting looking bike. It didn't look. It looked more like Tron like. So I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So did you see? Um, let's start off with some of the races that we had here. Amstel Gold. Yeah. So Amstel Gold comes about. And we have the women's race, we have the men's race, and did you see either one of those? I would say I saw bits and pieces of both. Okay. Um, I saw the very finish of the women's race, and Marianne Voss uh, gets the win over uh, Demi Vollering, and it looked like she was almost trying to do what had just happened with Widner and Vollering a few days earlier, where Voss goes to post up and almost gets pipped at the line. What is going on with these people? Got to get through the finish line first, right? Now, now, correct me if, if I'm wrong. This is the one where Niodoma um, got in a kind of two-up move and uh, Longo Bergini wouldn't pull through. I think and, so, and it yeah. Just kind of, it, it, I, I watched a couple breakdowns of that race, and it, it just seemed like Borghini made some some terrible decisions there where A, wouldn't pull through. Uh, worst case, she gets second in that scenario, but refuses to pull through and, until the group catches them, and then with nobody in that group, leads out the sprint to finish like eighth. It just seemed like kind of poor tactics there. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if Voss is coming down with, with the uh, with the group, she's obviously got a good shot to win the sprint and did, um, even with the early post-up. I am going to – I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name. He was a French rider, rode when uh, Lance did. He was always in – he was not a GC rider. I'm trying to remember his name. But he was in a break with Chris Horner in the Tour de France and – they had a similar situation. The two of them coming down, Chris was with Sonia Duvall. Chris decided he's not going to beat this guy in the sprint necessarily, but he's not going, he only wants to win. So he sits yeah. and won't come around and the whole pack swallows him up with like 200 to go. And, you know, there was in this, I'm trying to remember this guy's name. He was, you know, obviously upset. Uh, and Chris, you know, defends it. Like, look, I'm here to win. Um, second place means nothing. So I'm not going to even give an attempt. I don't know. This seems like a similar situation here, and I don't know what to really say about that other than I would probably have pulled through because uh, the chance of getting top two in the tour seemed like a great, great-ass you know, thing to yeah. put on your calendar. 
your Palmeiras, I guess. Okay, so the men's race. We come down. How, how impressed have you been with, first of all, um, I know Chris Horner, speaking of him, he's been really critical of Jumbo doing a lot of work. Uh, movie star doing a lot of work when they're not necessary. Other teams doing things. He's very critical on that. It's great. I love the, the armchair quarterback stuff. But how was your feeling coming into this race, Amstel Gold, uh, to see Jumbo and then Pidcock and the um, the Quanti Quick Step teams and kind of how everything played out? I didn't see much of it. And yeah. I think I even sent you a message in like the last 10 or 15K of the race, like, where's Wout's team? What's going on? Why right. is he up here all by himself? And you pointed out that, you know, he, he had um, Primus Roglic doing a lot of work for him. He had a couple of other guys doing a lot of work for him. So I missed that kind of team aspect of it and only caught it when he was all by himself in the, you know, field of 30 or 40. Yeah, actually, you're right. So he had done way too much work you know you've seen this in the in multiple races Ghent and different ones coming up uh this one he held back Jonas was up there he had other riders uh, Primoz Roglic was chasing everything down and just looked very spry and then got a flat yeah. with like 20k or so to go so he was not into help but it didn't matter because Pidcock had already taken off and wow and they were up there alone and then you come down to this finish and you're like you're going to get a replay was it uh get Wevelgem where Pidcock had won or E3 or one of these things that we just had where you beat him. And now you get a replay of that. And I, you know, those guys are doing exactly what you're talking about, like not pulling through and then going from almost a dead start. I, I'm of the opinion with Wout that he needs to have the full, you know, when he's sprinting against like the best sprinters in the world, he does just fine. And then he's getting beat by climbers in these other ones. It's almost like he needs the full, you know, up to speed sprint. He's a little better at it. Yeah. And you know, Pitcock's obviously got a good jump and he proved that in the race a couple weeks ago, whichever one it was that he beat Wout in. Um, so it's interesting to see Wout take that sprint from that slow of a speed and from the front instead of trying to force somebody else through. Right. So that, that race, first of all, um, such an interesting thing with the, the profile, like 27 different climbs, it just beats you to death all day long. Uh, coming down at the end at, and they had the little, it was a different um, route that they had, uh, I mishmashed up, I guess, this year. And but anyway. it was a loop that they had to do for, I guess, COVID restrictions. And one of the things I think people pointed out was, you know, they did the lap or the loop, what, 12, 13 times on the last one. They didn't go up the Cowberg the last time, which right. would have probably changed the dynamic of, of that trio, if you will, coming into the finish. Because, you know, that may have given Shockman a better opportunity to win if he could have put in a blistering attack up, up a climb. Because uh, he, he tried to to make a move with like 1K to go or 2K to go. Didn't stick at all because it was a relatively gentle climb that they were going up. But it was interesting to see the different course. And, and I'm curious to know what the reason was for eliminating that climb the last lap. It, it just seems odd to take it out from that. It does. And I'm sure if we did any prep for this show, we'd probably have figured that out by now. There's probably something written out of there. But I don't think Shockman... Uh, just first of all, the way Pidcock, I've seen him in these early classics, like attacking on these climbs. I mean, there's times when Wout's doing everything he can to hang on his wheel and then won't pull yeah. through right away. So I don't know that Shackman gets away, but, um, you know, I think he was content to, to sit in there for third. Yeah, I'm not sure if he was. I, I don't know. If he was content to get third, I, I think he would have just kind of kept the pace fast and, and not had it come so close with the group charging in behind him. So I, I think maybe he had hoped that, hey, maybe these two guys don't have sharp legs and and one of them will jump too early and I'll be in a good position to come around for the win. So I think he, he played it smart. Uh, I think he was probably feeling like 
he might have a shot if things went his way. But I think you could tell maybe three pedal strokes into the finest final sprint that he did not have it. Right. So. And so let's let's just talk about the big elephant in the room, which is um, I, I found this and I read it last night. It was pretty good little article here about the, the controversial photo finish. So you see the photo finish and evidently, you know, they always show us the photo finish that the officials are using, but they never were showing that. They just kept showing the video from the side. And I think that was sure. part of the problem that you had here, which is they weren't conveying that over to the pro, uh, broadcast. So everyone was just seeing the video of camera video. And, and then they talk about, so this article on cycling tips breaks down and they really talk about the camera that is used for the finish line, taking like 3,500, um, you know, set video or photos per second. Uh, and then they're able to outline that out with the blurred background and the, the way it's warped and all this other stuff to actually be able to see the finish. Do you think it was the right call? I don't know. It's tough to say, right? Because I, I think I had asked this on the last, um, in your last podcast where we were looking at one of the finish lines and I was like, what's the finish line here? Which, which one of the right. many lines that they're riding up to is the finish line? And um, somebody chimed in, it's it's the start of the black line on the larger white line. And is that really the case in this situation? Because it sounds like, you know, when, when you're dealing with black tires needing to cross black lines, maybe that's not the right thing to be looking at. And it seems like it's slightly arbitrary and maybe at the discretion of the, the race director. And if so, is that something that's kind of conveyed to the riders beforehand or during the race? I don't know. Cause if you're doing a bike throw, you're really trying to gauge which one of those many lines and portions of the lines you're, you're doing a bike throw to hard to say. I know you're right. And, and now you look here, I don't know if you could see this last one here. I could actually see a gap on Pidcock's wheel compared to Wout's maybe. It's, t- it's so yeah. tough to tell. Uh, and but- where was, what's the perspective of that picture though? What, which one of the lines is that taken at? And is that the line that was communicated in like the race Bible? I don't know. Oh, cause you're saying Pitcock maybe, uh, timed his throw to something that was in the race Bible rather than what was actually in real world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Hey, yeah. I mean, you could probably take a, a dozen pictures, uh, within that kind of five to seven inch range and, and have a slew of different results. I right. mean, it, it seemed like it was darn close, but at the end, I mean, if this is the official picture that they're using and, and based on, on that photo, yeah, then it obviously, well, it's one. What about the, um, t- different profile tires that they were using? How did that come into about? I don't know. Was was Wout using like thirties or 28s yeah, versus think- Pitcock's 26s. And then there's just kind of that much more, I think that's what it was. I think that's actually the key element there that, that had to do with it. So, so ride the biggest tire you can. You're going to start seeing people out on the group ride running like 35s. Right. Those fat travel tire. tires for all. Right. Um, do you have, do you normally, uh, we don't have finish line photo cameras on the group ride. So that's the problem. Sometimes we do. We get somebody out there that yeah. may have been dropped and they'll kind of route themselves over to the finish right. line and that's how we saw. I, I, I don't years. think they're carrying that level of technology in their back pocket though. That's how we saw Kurt a few years ago, actually, you know, podium on the river ride world championships. Remember that? I thought he won. Didn't he well, win? According to him, he DQ'd everyone else, but I don't know if that's legit. Sounds like it. Now, yeah. now if you go back to that picture that you had up, yeah. What's with your, uh, your, your computer there. It looks like you're on a different platform. I'm on a Mac now. Yeah. Are you okay. happy with that? Interesting. I'll have to get some more input input on that. Well, I think uh, you've been on a group text. We've probably got a lot of input. Just read those off again. Yeah. 
I haven't read those yet. I'm on I'm on text number twenty five. Gotcha. Well, you've got some work to do. Uh, no, so I this computer setup seems to be working fine. I don't know. We'll we'll be happy with it. Um, Flesh Wallone. So were you able to watch that this midweek classic that you uh, basically have everyone trudge around for two hundred some kilometers and then the fastest one up the last one k climb? I did. Yeah, I caught. Um, you know, much like. Um, much like I'm still gold, I think I caught about the last 25K or so, which I think was probably all you really needed to watch, right? I think so. Definitely that. Uh, let's go to the women yeah. first. Uh, Vanderbergen, and if you see our open, there's two people that kind of trapes across the screen there in the little <laughs> video, and those are Anna Vanderbergen, who world champion at the women's, and Mola there. And then Julian Alaphilippe, spoiler, uh, the mints, and we kind of had that. She ends up winning this over Niwadoma, Longo Borghini, Van Vloot, uh, Garcia and the top uh, American was in seventh place rude with Ruth Widner we had double Hickok down there in 14th Leah Thomas 16th Faulkner in 17th so a little you know some Americans Taylor Wiles 34th not too bad so pretty uh pretty unexpected win for for Vandenberg on that huh? <laughs> right nobody would have seen that one coming she has not won that very many times how, <laughs> how many times seven in a row seven now? in a row now right seven right by the way, a little uh, little thing I saw last night, I was going through the winners of Liège. Do you know how many times since 2003 the most consistent winner is? 2001, I think. I would guess uh, Alejandro Valverde. Right, six times. Yeah. I did not realize it was that much. That's impressive. And, and how did he do this? Uh, no, I'm thinking of uh, Flesh Alone. He did well there. He did. He's coming to, I think he was fourth, uh, third. He was third, third. and Mike Woods, uh, was spo spoiler here, uh, was fourth. So I just want to, we'll play this here real quick, a little bit of a video coming up on the final. And uh, the last bit, let's see if we can show it here. So this is the last 1K. Uh, you can see right here with 300 to go, I think, uh, Roglic attacked inside that 300 to go area and he has a I huge gap. I think he went at like four. Yeah, it was really close to that. And I guess they set like the fastest time up the Maria de Chi. Yes. Uh, so that's pretty impressive as well. So I don't know what he said. He couldn't do much more. My only thing is maybe don't go so far out because then you're actually able to come off of someone's wheel where it's a little bit of a carrot like Alaphilippe. But when Alaphilippe sets the fastest time, I mean, what are you really going to do, right? Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, Broglic is probably a relatively smart racer and knows what his skill set is versus Alaphilippe's. And, you know, Alaphilippe's probably got the the quicker snap. Uh, so it, for, for Roglic, it, maybe it makes sense to go early, knowing that if he waits too long, he's not going to be able to contend with Alaphilippe's late jump. So it seems like maybe that's that's, that's the best move for him. Um, I think it would have been really interesting to have seen Pogacar in this because he's – a fantastic climber and, and has a really good jump too, especially for a finish like this. I, th I think he would have been a good contender in there. You know, what's really impressive is you see Alaphilippe, you see Roglic, Roglic you see, um, see um, I'm getting a little feedback there. Little feedback. You, you get, you also yeah. see Roglic, Pogacar, you see them kicking really well and having those mountaintop finishes, being able to do that. So this was the perfect one and it would have been good to see a Pogacar in there. No, no photo finish for this one though. No. Yeah. So what do we have coming up for uh, Liège? Are you uh, excited about that at all? Oh, I'm so excited. Wow. When is it? <laughs> I think it's Sunday. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, let's take a look. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, well, it'd be interesting to see who actually gets in there and if uh, UAE is in there. It'd be nice to have Pogacar race. I, I agree. And so we could take a look kind of the, like I said, the top competitors, Roglic, Pogacar, Alaphilippe, Valverde, Carapaz, Almeida, Martin Guillaume, Fulsang, Yates, and Enrique Maas. Uh probably got anybody from ef how come we just don't really see them coming to the fore and i think mike woods is another one that you've got to throw in the you know top competitors in the list there um anybody last else year was a really fun race last year had a really interesting finish and, you, well yeah um and just it was interesting the way the schedule worked out i i think al philippe was in the world championship jersey how many times has somebody won that race twice in, in the world championship jersey granted he didn't win last year but um be interesting opportunity to have done that the age yeah yeah right because he should have won i mean you know let's mm. you don't think he should lots have lots of ways to look at that oh well, he, he he lost because he posted up early right yes and primo's got him on the bike throw so he got second there and right. then he got relegated oh, because right. he sprinted like a nutcase in the last 2k i right. think he tried his hardest to crash everybody out as, as, as much as he could there in the finish. I saw him just, uh, I'm trying to remember, was it Wallone? One of these races uh, in the field there where they were coming in, and he was doing that same kind of stuff. He is really sketchy on the bike. I don't know what it is about him that, um, you know, and then we saw him obviously uh, crash out with a motorbike last year. Right. And then I think last year, three of the top five in, in the finish were Slovenians because Matej Mahorek, kind of descended right. his way across the gap and, and joined the, the lead four. So they, right. they had a good good race last year, the, the Slovenians. They did. Uh, so you had, well, let's just took a Hershey. Hopefully he's back in there. Now he's teamed yeah. up with Pogacar. They actually have a good team coming in because they've got Pogacar. They have um, Formulo. They have Brandon McNulty. They have a solid squad if they're allowed to actually race. Uh, mixed right. in with uh, Roglic and his group. Full saying he's kind of coming back and or thinking he's going to. I know he's been actually just focusing on the Olympics. It's a little odd thing to be focusing on all year, but that's what he's got going on. Uh, so who's your pick for this? And and is Pitcock doing this one? Do you know? I'm looking at the starting list right now. Um, he is in there. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm super impressed with him and how he's been riding. And I can't imagine that this would be, unless he's, you know, falling off on his fitness, that this is going to be anything different. And, you know, look for those last few climbs, the Falcone, uh, anyway, the, I don't remember the name of all these ones, but they're pretty heavy coming into the finish there. Uh, and, you know, this race when Mike Woods was, I think it was when Bob Jungles won a few years ago and Woods was second or third with Roman Bardet, that it had that normal pitch up into Liège that was more of a gradual thing and then kind of a harder little climb. They didn't have that last year. Obviously, it came down with the sprint. Do you know how the finish is this year? I do not. Excellent work. All right. Um, one last thing I want to talk about is the Tour of the Alps. I don't know if you've seen any of that race going on. It's been pretty interesting. You know, I'm so glad that the Yates brothers are split so that I could tell who's who now. You know, Simon Yates stayed with, uh, you know, the team, and Adam Yates abandoned and went to Ineos. That's how I remember it now. And okay. who's who. And they're both you know, riding well, and Adam Yates is tearing everybody up on these climbs tacked like way out the other day and then was going again and um we saw two guys go down in the in a in down in the corner you know this switchbacks that they had in the out in, in switzerland there um 
he's up the road with Pillow Bilbao and another guy and behind Dan Martin's trying to catch on and Dan Martin, you know, they're even waving people down to slow down for this thing. And Dan just doesn't commit to the corner and goes straight, straight off the edge and then breaks enough and then just falls down. And it was, uh, Roman. Oh, I know it was, uh, Jai, Jai Hindley. He also went down on that thing and he had oh. to have some stitches. So. Bummer. Yeah. Uh, but, and, uh, I, I know this was kind of Froome's, self-proclaimed tune-up race just to really make sure his legs were there for his tour prep how's he doing so stage one he lost five minutes i i can't think that it would it was a stage where you know johnny moscon wins and it's not really a it's a big group finish so i don't know what happened he just kind of sat up next day he was trying to get in the break he actually gets in the break mm -hmm. on stage uh four or three one of those two uh yeah stage four and then uh, they get caught right at the bottom of the big climb. And I think he got kind of dispatched at that point, lost 14 minutes or so. But he's he's been trying and he's he was in the break all day uh, on stage four. So I don't think he's come around like Cavendish <laughs> is. He's not lighting up the world, but he's given it the old room try. So, yeah, I mean, do you feel like he's going to be no a, a contender in any of the Grand Tours or is he kind of at best going to be relegated to support roles? Man, you just can't imagine that you would be coming into form enough without being able to kind of at least be in a pack of you know 20 on a climb you know top 20 there you know yeah. i don't know what he's doing unless he thinks that like going out and being in the break all day is in working you know overly working until the final climb is is the way to go about it and get into fitness i don't know he says his legs are coming around but you know you know from he's always mr kind of like party line positive guy whether it's true sure. or not so i don't know um, I would like to see him because the more people we have in that mix, that's what makes the tour fun. You know, the days I didn't like were, you know, the old Froome days or even Lance where it's just domination from what actually I enjoyed those Lance ones at the time. But if it's someone I'm not pulling for, um, you know, the domination is a little bit old. So that, this last tour was fun, right? You had Ruglic and Pogacar and a few guys up there. And that's what I've enjoyed about the Vuelta and the Giro. So it would be good to see him competitive. I don't know if he's going to be working for Dan Martin. Mike Woods. Right. Yeah, it depends. And this last tour was kind of fun and unique because it was so compressed with all the other grand tours kind of going on almost at the same time. Yeah, that's totally true. Okay, so last thing we have to talk about here, maybe we'll throw this up on the on the screen, is, I don't know if anybody could actually read this, but this is the race calendar for the NCNCA. Just thought we'd <clears throat> throw some of these up here that now is getting stacked. So we've got several races here in the month of April, some in May, quite a few in May, June, July, August. So we're starting to get a bunch of races getting put on there. There's some early bird crits. Uh, we're going to have another Chowchilla here in the 3rd of May. Livermore is doing those races. I guess one's canceled. Uh, Chowchilla again in the first, uh, oh no, yeah, May, there we go. Early birds, Granville, virtual Berkeley Hills road race. I guess that's a, a virtual race. Some other ones, Folsom crit for us is on the calendar for the 22nd of May. Are you going to be able to make that? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I geographically, I don't have much of an excuse. I mean, it's, it's less than a mile from my front door. So I feel like I should go in some capacity. One thing to note and, and if if you're thinking about doing a race, uh, make sure to look at the, the 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 race flyers because some races are not doing day of registration. Like Folsom gotcha. in particular is pre-reg only. So if you're thinking, eh, I'll kind of see how I'm feeling that that day. Well, too late. Sorry. Um, so why are they, so why are they sure doing you, that? You incorporate that. Uh, I think it's probably something to appease the county to reduce 
the the lines that inevitably form at the registration tables. But you're gonna have to pick up a number. Yeah, but that's probably a little easier and, and quicker. Uh, my guess is it's probably just something that was offered to appease the permitting process. Yeah, I don't know. Seems a bit. Uh, I mean, if you're doing one, you're you're kind of doing the same. You got to pick up a number. Uh, yeah. Is it really that? Unless big? they're they're able to kind of do that in a, a kind of hands off thing where you go up and there's a stack of numbers, you get yours and you get out of the way. Gotcha. This is where we'll we see. need to. But I, I, I do know that the 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 Chowchilla one that you guys did that's up on. For, for round two, May 1st, which looks right. like it's a Saturday on this schedule here. Yeah, I believe, oh, okay. Yeah, similar to last time. So good stuff. Uh, that one I'm <laughs> going to try to make. I've got some family things coming up with graduation and birthdays and everything else. So it's a little, sometimes it's tough, but we'll do what we can do. You know, Copperopolis is on there. I mean, Regalata Road Race, Cantua Creek, Folsom Crit, 4th of July Crit. Whoa, 4th of July Crit, Bariani. Get Bariani down there in, uh, on, in July, how do you like that? Should Ooh, be that's fun. gonna be brutal. Yeah, winners looks like it's a normal time here. Sassoon, Harbor, Dunnigan, Patterson. Uh, I'm kind of liking it. Let's shake up the calendar a little bit and see what happens. So you can find that out on the NCNCA page or the Facebook page. Everybody, check that out. It'll be interesting because I know like uh, Copperopolis, Regalado, and, and Cantua Creek are usually not well attended. Um, Right. And some of it's where they fall on the calendar. Some of it's their, you know, Copperopolis is a really hard race. Um, with, with everybody is excited to get out and race. I'm curious to see if those have <clears throat> an improvement in, in turnout. Yes. Um, why don't you go out there and report for that for us? For that? You got it. I'll, I'll kind of. Or you could just look at results afterwards and see how many show, showed up. It's do a you good have, way to do it. Do you have a rider of the week to pick for us? Uh, and it could be Jonathan Baker. <laughs> I, I think at the professional level, we can say, uh, well, Van Art for, for, you know, he's, he's coming second place quite a few times. It's good to see him maybe get a win. Depends on which, which side of the, uh, the finish line you're, you're calling the finish line, but it, he, he was officially named the winner. So that counts, right? Right. I'm, I'm of the mind where he's he and Vanderpool are so fascinating because at some point you're like, oh my goodness, they're like, they're such they're so dominant, and then they lose in such weird fashion, so you don't expect them to, and uh, it keeps you on your toes. And and, I, and I'm liking that. My rider of the week is gonna be, and this is a little bit of sarcasm here. Um, Alex House gets in the the break at uh, Flush Wallone. He had to get a service car's bike. It looked like he and he said he was like riding his dad's bike. And evidently the cleats work, so he was able to ride there, and then I think he ended up getting a replacement bike. But um, I was a little disappointed. I, I looked at that, and I, my first thought is like, oh yeah, uh, we didn't have a national championships last year, so he's you know longest standing U.S. championship rider, I guess, unless you win it back to back years. And also knowing that he was going to get spit out of the break before they got caught, and that's exactly what happened. It was a little disappointing. I mean, nothing against Alex Howes, just like he's there makes you realize that we just get the national champion that just isn't quite up to snuff. So it was a little disappointing. Yeah. I think then, you know, if you want a national champion, that's up to snuff, you got to pick who you want to win, right? Like Sepkus is probably one who would make a, a good showing in the national championship Jersey. So we'd have to cater our course accordingly to kind of pre-select that winner. But. Right. And that doesn't really happen. I mean, you know, a few years ago we had, Ben King before he really came into prominence. It would have been cool to see him wearing that jersey while he's winning stages of the Vuelta. 
but uh, yeah. it's what it is. Anything else you have for us before, and I'll let you get out here, you know, 30 some minutes in, let you get out and get back to work. Um, I, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I'm just, uh, just playing catch up here on, on all things bike racing. So. All right. Well, then we have the Giro coming up pretty soon too. So, uh, that should be exciting. Oh, last thing we'll do. Did you see that, um, flow bikes has been putting in commercials in their paid for platform? <laughs> I saw a lot of chatter about it and it seemed like everybody was really excited to see more commercials at critical parts of bike races after having paid $150 for the year. So, right. Not sure if they're, they're really that hurt for revenue and, and that's their way to recoup some monies, but it, it didn't seem like they're going to retain many viewers after this year of, uh, subscriptions. Right. I mean, when you look at the cost difference between that and GCN, <clears throat> it's, it's a world of difference. And yeah. so what's the point? And then they don't really show that many races and GCN has a ton more. And if you really have a problem, just get a VPN and you can get all those, you know, out other races that you wouldn't be able to get. So, right. That's the, that's the solution. Well, that's all I and have. And also I don't think uh, GCN has uh, tried to cancel your YouTube show either. So <laughs> they have not. Um, I'm going to probably put this uh, show on Odyssey. I never heard of that. It's kind of the YouTube alternative. And um, I don't think they really have much uh, censoring and, and worry about that kind of stuff. So maybe I'll be able to do a little bit more stuff with like we did, like the, the video I showed today. I had to go find that from some, you know, French speaking or, or Spanish speaking and then put it on there so that I don't get nailed with that. Copyright claims. All right. Thank you, Chris. Once again, hope to see you. Are you going to be out on the ride and do any group rides yet? I know you've all been vaccinated and getting fit again. Uh, I'll, depends on what time I wake up. The, I, I found the weekend group rides start too early for me, so we'll see. Too early. Well, you know, do the river ride. I think it starts at 9, so you might be able to take that one on. Or 10. 10? That's pretty tough. Someone we'll, let we'll us see. know. There's dangerous rides out there, everybody. Post it on your uh, Strava title. Thanks. Uh, 234 episodes in the books. Thanks once again, Chris, that you get back to work. Yep. I hope everyone has a good weekend. Bye.